We are downtown. We are historic. We are family. We are scriptural. We are First Baptist Church. Let us turn now to our reverse text for this week. So this week we've been studying together Luke chapter 13, verses 1 through 9. And we're going to read that aloud together. So if you would, let's stand and let's read this aloud. This then is the text for today. Now, on the same occasion, there were some present who reported to him about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mixed with their sacrifices. And Jesus said to them, Do you suppose that these Galileans were greater sinners than all other Galileans because they suffered this fate? I tell you, no, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Or do you suppose that those 18 on whom the tower in Siloam fell and killed them were worse culprits than all the men who live in Jerusalem? I tell you, no, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. And he began telling them this parable. A man had a fig tree which had been planted in his vineyard, and he came looking for fruit on it and did not find any. And he said to the vineyard keeper, Behold, for three years I have come looking for fruit on this fig tree without finding any. Cut it down. Why does it even use up the ground? And he answered and said to him, Let it alone, sir, for this year too, until I dig around it and put fertilizer in. And if it bears fruit next year, fine. But if not, cut it down. May God bless the reading of his word. So earlier, we were getting ready to film our revlog with Pastor Aaron and Pastor Brian. And Pastor Aaron and Pastor Brian were asking me if we were going to get the fire this week or if we were going to get the brimstone this week or if we were like the good old days going to get both, the fire and the brimstone. But you know, I think I prefer lava. It's slow and subtle, camouflaging its boiling destruction with a snail's pace. When I picture hell, I picture something that looks more like lava, taking cues from Revelation 19 and 20, where all evil is picked up and thrown into a lake of fire and burning stones as it is. But, you know, we have a tendency when we get to the end of the scriptures, when we get to chapters like Revelation 19 and Revelation 20, some of us have a tendency to skip over Revelation chapter 20, verse 15. It's the last verse of that chapter. And we're going to do just that. We're going to skip right over it. Because all seems right when you skip over it. All seems right when Jesus picks Satan up and throws him into the lava. All seems right when Jesus picks up Satan's minions and drops them in there like little demonic ice cubes bobbing up and down. Even death. It, it's, it's a beautiful picture. So it's going to be a great day of rejoicing. It's going to be when Jesus picks up death and throws it into this lake of fire with molten waves. 
You know, there are others too. There are others too that we have no problem handing over to the infernal. In fact, some of us may even have a list of folks that need to go in head first into that eternal lava. There are people out there who got away with it. I'm going to throw them in. They should be first. All those people who didn't play by the rules. All those people that ignored customs and it took advantage of our manners. They should melt in the lava. Or so we think. You know, it's interesting because we often get confused by the lack of comeuppance on this side of eternity. It's one of those things, it seems like if we were in charge, if we were going to set the rules, and if we were going to set the pace, the world would have a lot more comeuppance for them than it does. Everyone would get their due, especially those who have wronged me. And those that have wronged me will get it quickly. It's interesting because this is some of the sentiment you hear in this crowd that's come in around Jesus. So this crowd is in there and they're, they're talking with one another. And they want some comeuppance. In fact, they've, they've looked at a couple of news stories, and that's how you, you sort of see these stories that we're talking about before the parable today. There's two of them. And these had been in the local news in recent days, and, and some of them are starting to think and look and ponder, maybe this is comeuppance. Maybe all those people that died deserved it. You know, Jesus begins to talk about this local rumor mill. You know, they had all heard how Pilate had slaughtered a group of folks. They were on their way to make sacrifices for Passover. And, and as they're taking their sacrifices in, the text tells us that their own blood covered the blood of their sacrifices because they'd been executed by a politician. So all the water cooler talk was about the terrible things they must have done. What terrible things they must have done to deserve to be executed. I'm sure all those Galileans deserved it. There's some of there that probably even wanted to be a part of the execution. You know, we don't have any further details on the story, just what's listed here. But then Jesus jumps from this local news story to another similar local news story that happened sometime before. We don't even know when before. That there, was, there were aqueducts through town, and at certain points along the aqueduct, there were these large towers, and by some unforeseen circumstance... One of those towers began to crumble and fell over, and when it did, it killed 18 people. And Jesus is moving them through these stories of death, those that were executed by Pilate, those that were just found dead under the rubble of a tower, and Jesus gets to the truth. You see, what Jesus does, and this is what he does in the parables, he helps us move beyond the surface and dig down deep to find the truth, to find reality. The surface level they're looking at, they're starting to wonder and think, maybe this is comeuppance for them. Because that's what they wanted to look for. The terrible things that they had done. The second story, we wonder about those 18 people who tra tragically died. What, how did they grieve God? What did they do to God for God to allow such an accident to happen? The first thought of the flesh and the first thought of this crowd is, well, they, they must have deserved it. Surely it was all is right in the world. Or at least their lives led to this point of destruction. What were they doing to lead to this point of destruction? 
But Jesus begins to stop all of this. And this is why Jesus tells us this parable. He says, don't daydream any longer about this. Don't daydream any longer about their comeuppance. Don't daydream any longer about the punishment of another. Because this is a new day in Jesus Christ. And twice, Jesus questions here. He questions them and he questions us. He's saying, do you think those people that were executed are worse than you are? Because if you think those people that Pilate executed are worse than you, you've got another thing coming. You, you are the same kinds of people. You do the same kinds of things. You are no different than those people that were slaughtered by Pilate. He says, what do you think about when, when the tower fell? Do you think you're better than those 18 people that the tower fell upon? Because you aren't. Now, one of the things that we love to do in the flesh is, is we love to look around and say, well, I'm better than that person. Or, or that person has done far wor worse things than I have done. And we can pick them out of a crowd. Or at least, at least I didn't do that. At least I didn't behave like that jerk who had his name in the paper last week. We can always find someone that we think behaves worse than us. And when we do, Jesus says, you fool. What makes you think you are any better than they are? Now, uh, first of all, these stories, you have this, this tower falling tragically, killing 18. You have a ruthless politician executing travelers. First, Jesus is reminding them, though this may smell like hell, this is not hell. They are far from the final fires of judgment. So don't assume these are stories of judgment. And second of all, what makes you think you don't deserve the same fate? Why are you assuming you're better than them? Why are you assuming when you read a story of death that you imagine yourself the victor who beat them in existence? Those people that died in the local news story are clothed with the very same flesh that you're clothed with. See, when our minds start to imagine what is deserved and who deserves what, it doesn't matter if it's them or if it's us. We deserve our bones to be liquefied so that we boil and pop in the same lava flow as Satan is sinking in. You see, if we want to get into what people deserve, if we want to get into what you deserve, your life will dissolve as quickly as they lost their lives. You see, all human tragedy begins and ends here. Ever since the fall of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, there has only been one person ever who deserved life. And the one person who deserved life was crucified for it. You see, what we learn from the Scriptures, there's not a single one of us who is good. No, not one. Every one of us in this room and every one of us watching on TV, we have succumbed to temptation. And we have fallen so that we slipped away into our appetites and gorged ourselves on the fat of evil. You see, as you work through Scripture, we learn that to understand the human condition and to understand the thoughts and actions of another, we've got to go to the Roman road. Like Romans 3, 23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, every one of us. And what we recognize is that every one of us has failed and every person we have loved has failed us. Even the good people in your life have failed you and the good and hopeful people in your life are going to fail you. 
So we can't expect much more from the rest of the world. And the rest of the world is perfectly content to soak in evil as long as life endures. And then we move to Romans 6, 23. And we see very clearly that the, the wages of sin is death. For any sin, that's why our bodies decay. This is the direct result of the plague of sin through history. Death, it brings forth, or, or sin, it brings forth death. James 1, 14 and 15 tells us this. This is the track of all life on earth. False steps and poor motives, we continue on, embracing sin all the way to our own death. You know, it's, it's possible. It is possible to be perfect like Jesus Christ. He's the one who is filling us with reality and he's showing us the true condition of our hearts and our lives. He walked perfectly and even in walking perfectly, that lone perfect life, he became the only way that any of us would ever see eternity. Because of the sin of your life, you could never walk into heaven. There had to be a remedy for that sin. There had to be a punishment to be paid. And Jesus Christ offered himself as a propitiation for that sin so that we might have life and have it abundantly. You know, he didn't have to face death, but he faced death and he defeated death so that you could walk from death into life. The only hope that you have from death into life is by the person and blood of Jesus Christ. It's one of those beautiful pictures of the book of Revelation. You see, when all evil is being thrown into the, the lake of fire, it says in the same way that Jesus picks up death, like death is, is an animate object. It says Jesus picks up death and skims it across the lava until it sinks into the fire. Because the message of Jesus Christ is the same then as it is today. The message of Jesus Christ is repent or perish. You see, this is what we need to understand. If you're always watching other people, and if you're always comparing yourself and your behavior to the behavior of other people, our natural tendency, and what we're always going to do, is we're going to come out on top. We're going to say, well, I'm better than that person because of this. I did more good than that person because of X or Y or Z. And Jesus is telling us this morning, stop comparing yourself to them. Come and stand in the presence of a living and holy God. And when you stand in the presence of a living and holy God, you will melt. The dross of your heart will be liquefied and drained away when you fall to your knees in repentance before him. You know, it's telling of our God that he could liquefy us in an instant, dismantling us to mix our liquid bones with the glowing lava of hell. But he doesn't. Or at least he hasn't yet. There is a day when this sort of thing occurs. You see this in Revelation. It's, it's before the final two chapters of hope in Revelation. We see this in Revelation 20, verse 15. It's the verse that we skipped over before. It says this, if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. 
And yet even still, the the Bible doesn't end here. We get more. We get Revelation 21. We have Revelation 22. And and what you hear in this, even as Jesus is proclaiming repent or perish, even as we see this lava flow through Revelation, Jesus is telling us this is the hope. And there is hope in the gospel because God is one who is patient. And he has brought you to this day to, to new life so that you would have one more chance to repent before the day of perishing. You know, I learned an interesting tidbit a few months ago about the Greek in our parable this week. One of my, my heroes of the faith, one of my favorite pastors is Eugene Peterson. You probably know him as the man who wrote the message translation of the Bible. And you, you see him do that as an intimate knowledge of, of the Greek and the Hebrew and the Aramaic. And did an amazing job with this translation. In fact, every week he would... He would do a new translation for his, his church outside of Baltimore. And that's where the message came from. But a, a while back, I, w- I was listening to some recordings of his. And uh, something struck me because he said, the parable that we're studying this week, this parable of the fig tree, he said, this is his favorite parable. And there's a couple of things that he mentioned as he says, this is my favorite parable in all that Jesus was teaching. And and it might have been because we sanitize the language a little bit. In the original language, the manure is the manure, and the manure is as dirty as manure gets. And I think he liked this idea of picturing Jesus throwing a little manure on us, which helps us understand the parable in a particular way. But see, there's an interesting Greek word here in Luke 13, verse 8, aphes. And this is, this is a common word. Here it's translated, it's, it's a phrase, it's let it alone and let it alone, sir. The owner wants to cut down this fig tree and the vineyard keeper there says, no, let it alone, sir. Let this stay, let this sit. And he says, I'm going to dig it up. I'm going to put some manure in it and I'm going to get my hands dirty. We're going to make this right. And, you know, it's, it's a pretty common word. In fact, it's a common phrase that you would expect a, a vineyard keeper to share with a vineyard owner. But what isn't common is the other place that we find this phrase. In fact, we also find this very same phrase later in Luke. It's Luke chapter 23, verse 34. We find this same phrase in a shocking sentence. It's uttered by Jesus, but not in a parable. It's uttered by Jesus in a prayer. He says, Father, our face. They do not know what they're doing. Father, let them alone. They don't know what they're doing. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Father, don't boil them in lava. They don't know what they're doing. These were the words out of Jesus' mouth in the torture of the cross while the soldiers were dividing up his clothes. The crowds were cheering his death and the politicians were playing to the crowds. Father, office. You know, this is why Eugene Peterson loved this parable so much. Because in the original language, it's connected to the cross, linked by language to Jesus' redemptive work. It's as if at the moment of the cross, God could have raised up magma through the pores of the earth to burn evil into charcoal. Yet even while dying, while on the cross, Jesus is crying out, Lord, let them be. Lord, let them alone. Lord, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing that everyone standing in front of him deserved death, that every one of us this morning deserved death, and Jesus on the cross is saying, leave them alone as he holds his arms out. 
Let me have my work. Let the cross have its effect like manure under a fig tree. The terrible cross will bring sweet fruit in the spring. You see, you hear Jesus in this text this week in, in Luke 13, Jesus offering us one more chance at the cross, where Jesus saying, the, the cross is it. This is where you get your final chance, is at the cross of Jesus Christ. And he's saying, you have been given a new day, and you have one more day to be repentant. You have one more day to get on your knees and say, Father, forgive me, I don't know what I'm doing. And Jesus tells us throughout this parable, there are two fates that are in front of every one of us. Every one of us are left with these two things when it comes to the end, when we get to Revelation 20. When we get to Revelation 21 and 22, he says there are only two fates. You will repent or you perish. And that is what is laid before us this morning by Jesus Christ himself. Repent or perish. Are we going to cling to the cross? Are we going to keep chasing after the things of the world? Let's pray together. Father, we recognize this day that you are our king. We are broken, every one of us, and we have fallen. Lord, we've gone astray. There have been days we left your word behind. But this morning, this morning, Father, we pray that you would forgive us and help us to live in the freedom of that forgiveness. Lord, we pray for every one of us that the guilt of our past would be wiped clean by the blood of Jesus Christ, that we would be made whole and holy this morning, not because we're good, but because Jesus is good. It's, his, it's in his name, the name of the Christ, we pray. Amen. First Baptist Church has been broadcasting its services of new life and historic faith for 46 years. We would like to ask that you continue to pray with us for this ministry and also for your financial support so that we can continue this ministry for years to come. Thank you.